All right, should we do this shit? I'm losing my voice. Yes. I almost jumped to 67. It's actually 57. 57. 57, 57. 57, 57. Oh, that was beautiful. Thanks. Um, I've been working on it like all week. I was just singing a song trying to figure out how That's really sad if you've been working on that all week. Never mind. Never mind. I just thought of it. (laughs) That was like four notes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So anyway, for real, it's episode 57. L-O- Hello, Betty. I thought you were gonna say LOL, and I'm like, oh, are we text comboing now? With the <laughs> I don't fucking know what's happening, listeners? What are you s- stupid? I feel like I, <laughs> I feel like all of a sudden we got like drunk. Yeah, and I was like, hello, boy. This is seven guys. Episode fifty-seven. Um, of I'm sorry. What the podcast? I'm Amanda. That's Christina. I'm Christine. I'm. Teresa. <laughs> Her name's Christina. Some people will get it. I'm Christina. I'm Teresa. <laughs> Don't handshakes. That's gross now. It's yeah. fine. No, it's I re- elbow bumps. Oh my god. Elbow I bumps refuse. only. Elbow bump me. No. I'm gonna just hold it. Elbow bump me. Enjoy holding it. Just elbow bump me. I refuse. It's okay. You're so ruined. we're two weeks in probably. What do you think's gonna... Okay, let's try and predict the future. Coronavirus, what's happening two weeks from now? Well, you'll be having surgery here real soon. On Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, Pray for me. I'm sure that mm, in the city of Rochester, it'll be a fun ride. Let's just say that. You think it'll get worse or it'll die off? I think it'll die off. I think that... I don't think it'll die off in two weeks. I think it'll be like... Either the same or a little bit more pandemic-y before it dies off. I think everybody's going to get a little freaked out more, but I think They're going to have, like, a couple of days of being freaked out and then being like, okay, maybe I panicked a little bit. We'll find out. Right? Okay. We'll see you guys in two weeks. See you in two weeks. Good stories. Did I tell them about my match thing last time? No. Oh. Well, we'll start this Why don't we just start, or should we end it with that? We can end it with that. Should we start it or end it? We should probably start it with that, because we've kind of stopped doing things at the end. I know, but I'm just wondering if, should we jump into the stories this time, and then tell it at the end, or do you want to tell it at the beginning? You want to just switch it up? I'm whatever. throw it off. Throw them all off. Throw them all off. Let's do it. I love throwing people off cliffs. That's a shout out to Melissa. (laughs) That's her thing that she goes to. Oh, it's just so cute. I just want to throw it off a cliff. That's intense. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's not the first thing my mind goes to when I see something that's cute. Oh my god, that's so cute. I want to throw it off a cliff. But I do go, oh my god, that's so cute. I just want to squeeze it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which that's, is, I guess, akin to strangulation. So yeah. I just want to squeeze it till really it... cute, I just want to squeeze it till it pops. <laughs> Mama had a baby and its head popped oh. off. Um, oh, that was a perfect... I do it with my tongue. You do it with your lips. That's so loud. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's talk about ADD. <laughs> <laughs> 
We need to focus our collective ADD, bring it back in. Anyway, and we're jumping scene. correctly, 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 directly. Mm-hmm. What is happening? I don't know what we're talking about. We're totally off topic now. I'm so confused. No, I was like, so are we jumping directly into the stories is what I meant to ask. And what came out was, so jumping correctly. So are we jumping correctly then? <laughs> I don't know, Amanda. I blew out my ankle and have to have surgery. So to be honest, I probably never jump correctly in my life. I'm, ne- I'm never jumping again. I'm never going to fucking jump again because I have bionic ankles with no fucking give in them. <laughs> I can't. Are you jumping correctly? You got a story. <laughs> you know what? I do. What? This is ridiculous. That what was very high pitched. You're gonna. You're probably gonna have to volume correct that. <laughs> I apologize. I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you about the Yuba City Five. Yuba, Yuba. City Five. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 So we're gonna start with Gary Mathias. Um, he was a Yuba City native and um, had actually developed a drug problem during his military service. Okay. Um, which eventually led to him being diagnosed with schizophrenia uh, and being psychi. This is a psychologically psychiatrically is psychiatrically psychiatrically. There, there you go. go. I'm like psychiatrically. <laughs> I don't know why I had such a hard... I'm like, I know I can say this word. (laughs) I've said it before, but for whatever reason... Christina, I couldn't say directly. I I can't judge you. I'm like, for whatever reason, it just not doesn't want to come out. Psychiatrically discharged. So then he moved in with his parents and returned home to live with his parents, I'm sorry, in California. And began a treatment at a local mental hospital. Uh, while it was difficult at first, he was, and he was nearly arrested for assault twice, he had suffered a couple of psychotic episodes um, that landed him in a local VA hospital. Um, but then by 1978, he was being treated on an outpatient basis with stelazine and cogitin and was considered uh, to be, like, in recovery. Okay. So he, he was still schizophrenic, but he was mentally and physically coping well on his medicine being able to be relatively normal. Okay. But he supplemented his army disability pay and was working with his, in his stepfather's gardening business. So he was maintaining a job. He also was able to develop friendships with four other men. Most of them were slightly older than he was. And they had other disabilities. So they had met... Like a support group? Yeah, kind of through, I think, through a psycho- um, his psychologist and through some of the other groups that he was... Okay. Participating in to try and, like, counteract his illness. Okay. Um, they either lived, they lived in Yuba City or nearby, and uh, they all lived with their parents, and they were basically just cl- referred to collectively as the boys. So they were all really good friends, would do things together. They were all into uh, sports. Their family said that when they got together, it was usually a play a game or watch one. Okay. Uh, they played basketball together as the Gateway Gators, a team sponsored by a local program for the mentally handicapped. Okay. And so on February 25th, which was my birthday. <laughs> Good for you. The Gators were due to play their first game in a week-long tournament sponsored by the Special Olympics. And the winners would get a free week in Los Angeles. 
So it was kind of, they had something coming up. They were looking forward to it. Right. So on February 24th, 1978, so the day before their basketball game. Okay. Bill Sterling, who was 29, Jack Hewitt, who was 24, Ted Weeher, that was 32, and Jack Madruga, who was 30, and then Gary Mathias was 25, all left for the basketball game. Um, Jack Madruga was the only other member of the group besides Matthias who had a driver's license. Okay. Uh, so they drove, it was about 50 miles north to Chico um, in a white 1969 Mercury Montego. And the men, they wore light coats against the cool temperatures in the Sacramento Valley at that time of year. Okay. So after the college, the Davis team won the game, the group got back into Madruga's car and drove a short, short distance from the Chico State campus to Bayhurst Market in downtown Chico. Uh, there they bought snacks along with sodas, a carton of milk to drink, and then it was shortly before the store's closing at 10 p.m. The clerk later remembered them because she res- resented that the large group had come in and delayed her from starting the closing process, which is the I remember fucking the- worst. I remember those guys. Mm-hmm. They came in two minutes before I was supposed to close, and then I had to wait until they left, so I didn't even get it started until after I locked the door. I will never forget the one time Brittany and I went shopping at Mall of America, and we went into, what's the one that used to be by Garage? Was it like Wet Seal? Rainbow? No. No? What? I think it was Wet Seal. Okay. But anyway, we went into it, and the girl was like, we walked in the door, and before even saying hello, she's like, it's 15 minutes to closing. And we were like, we know what time it is. So then Brittany... Did her, I have to touch everything on the rack. I'm going to try this. I'm going to pull this out. I'm going to pull. And, like, I don't even think we tried on half the shit, but she had, like, left it in the dress. Like, she, we were just like, you're going to be a bitch. Yeah. It's no different than when I was in Pandora trying to get help and the ladies were bitches to us. So, behind me, when I'm trying to buy shit for my mom, it's you and... Touching all the glass. Just touching all the glass, breathing on it, leaving streaks. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry. Don't assume just because I'm not a 40-year-old woman that I'm not in there to, like, purchase something. You were there clearly to purchase something, and then they kept following us around. Like, (laughs) you're all under glass. I can't steal shit in here, and I wouldn't do that anyway. So we're just going to be annoying. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the group left the market, and none of them were seen alive again. Okay, so that was a weird time to have a segue (laughs) into something different when the next sentence was, and then they were never seen again. (laughs) So at their home, some of the men's parents had stayed up to make sure they returned. And when morning came and they had not, the police were notified. Okay. So police um, in Yuba and Butt Counties, B-U-T-T-E, Butte, maybe? Butte. Butte, yeah. whatever. It's like Elephant Butte. Yeah. Yeah. Butt <laughs> County. <laughs> you're, you're wrong. I'm just going to point that out. You're fucking wrong. Uh, began searching along the route the men took to Chico. They found no sign of them, but a few days later, uh, a Plumas National Forest Ranger told investigators that he had seen a Montego parked along the Oroville-Quincy Road in the forest on February 25th. At the time, he had not considered it significant, since many residents often drove up there into the Sierra and Nevada mountains on winter weekends to go cross-country skiing. Okay. On the extensive trail system, but after he read the missing persons bulletin, he recognized the car and led the deputies to it on February 28th. All right. Several days later, 
the Mercury Montego was found abandoned in a remote near area of Plumas National Forest on a high mountain dirt road that was far out of their way back to Yuba City. Investigators could not, however, determine why it was abandoned, as it could easily have been pushed out of the snowpack it was stuck in. And it was in good working order at the time. There was no trace of the men found. Okay. Hmm. Uh, inside the car was evidence suggesting the men had been in it between when they were last seen and when it was abandoned. There were wrappers and empty cartons and cans that they had purchased in the market present in the vehicle, along with programs from the basketball game they had watched and a neatly folded road map of California. Um, the first strange thing was that the car's location was that it was 70 miles from Chico, far off any direct route to Yuba City or Marsville. None of the men's families could speculate as to why they might have driven up a long, winding dirt road on a winter night deep into the high-elevation remote forest. So they basically drove into the mountains. Right. Completely out of their way. Uh, without any extra clothing on the night before a basketball game that they had been talking excitedly about amongst themselves for several weeks. Now, all of these men had suicidal tendencies at one point or another. Right. But everything pointed to them being in a good state of mind. Mm-hmm. That there was no reason for that to be like a group suicide thing where they were to all drive up. Right. Into the mountains. Uh... Jack Madruga's parents said he did not like the cold weather and had never been up into the mountains. Sterling's father had once taken his son to the area near where the car was found for fishing weekend, but the younger man had not enjoyed it and remained at home when his father took trips there later. Okay. Uh, Similarly, police could not figure out why the men had abandoned the car. They were up to an elevation of 4,400 feet along the road where the snow line was at that time of year just short of where the road was closed for the winter. Okay. So that road was almost shut because of how much snow they had gotten right. at that elevation. Makes me think of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Because yeah. that's why they couldn't get back to the town or the yes. townspeople couldn't get to them. Because the pass was the closed. The pass was closed. <laughs> the pass is open. The, the pass, pass is open. God, I love that movie. Bless your beautiful heart. Wherever you may be. We ain't met yet, but I'm willing to bet you're, you're the, the gal for me. God, I love that movie. <laughs> that's going to be on my list to watch when I have surgery. Yep. Bless your beautiful <laughs> and I always thought Adam was so cute. Me too. And then the who's the other one? Ben. There's one that's like super clean cut and has. Yeah, like, that's the one that I liked. Um, that Dorcas likes. Dorcas and him. Was it together. Frank? No, Frank is the goofy one. Goofy one. I think it's Ben. It might be Ben. He gets punched, and Dorcas and him yeah, get together. Like, <laughs> Anyway, and his hair does the Elvis thing. Yes. If anyone has seen Seven Brats for Seven Brothers, you'll know who know who we're talking about. Yeah, it's definitely not something that would have been made now. Yeah, it's 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 very it's not, questionable, but it's questionable, but it's got, such a good but it's got good music, you know? It's got good it's good musical. Okay, anyway. So the car, um where were we? I don't know. <laughs> you just said something about being closed, and I was like, Okay, mm. so the road was closed, or close to being closed for the winter. Perfect. The car had become stuck in a snowdrift. There was evidence that the wheels had been spun attempting to get out of it, but police noted that the snow was not so deep that five young men would not have been able to push it out. So. Okay. The keys were not present, suggesting at first that the car had already been abandoned because it might not have been functioning properly, but... Uh, 
The police hot were able to hotwire the car, and it started immediately, and the gas tank was a quarter full. Okay, so that's not a thing. Right. So after the police towed the car back to the station for more thorough examination, um, the undercarriage had no dents, gouges, or even mud scrapes, not even on its low-hanging muffler, despite having been driven a long distance up a mountain road with many bumps and ruts. Either the driver had been very careful or it was somehow familiar with the road, um, a familiar that Jack Madruga was not known to have, or Gary Mathias. Or it was swooped up by an alien spaceship and dropped at the top of the mountain. I'm just saying that's how you wouldn't get dents in the bottom on such rough terrain. <laughs> so Gary nor Jack knew that route, and Jack's family said Jack Mandruka said his family said that he would not have let someone else drive his car. Okay, so it had to have been him that drove it up there. Drove it up there. But also the car was unlocked and had a window rolled down when it was found. And they also said that it was unlike him to leave the car so unsecured. Hmm. So efforts to, efforts to search the vicinity were hampered by a severe snowstorm the next day. Two days later, after searchers in Snowcats nearly got themselves lost, further efforts were called off due to the weather and no trace of the men were found other than the car. That's gotta suck. Like... That just ruins all the evidence. Dis- right. Makes it disappear until later. It's just, wow. Okay. Okay. So, on June 4th, with most of the higher elevation snow fully melted, a group of motorcyclists went to a trailer maintained by the Forest Service, or that should be maintained by the Forest Service, at a campsite off the road about nineteen, about 20-ish miles from where the Montego had been found. A front window had been broken in the trailer, and when they opened the door, they were overcome by the odor of what turned out to be a decaying body inside. Oh, no. It was the... It was... It was... <laughs> I'm sorry. Is is the CD skipping? No. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. It was uh, Ted Weher? We, Ted Weher. I might be... The CD might be skipping. <laughs> you just developed a stutter. <laughs> well, I forgot the first name of all of these guys. And it was Ted Weher. Okay. So, searchers returned to the park, uh, the national park, following the road between the trailer and the site of the Montego, and the next day they found remains later identified as Jack Madruga and Bill Sterling on opposite sides of the road about 11 and a half miles from where the car had been. Okay, so the one was found almost 20 miles away. Ted's was found about 19 and a half miles, 20-ish mm-hmm. miles in the trailer. Yep. And then Jack Madruga and Bill Sterling were found on opposite sides of the road about 11 and a half miles from where the car had been. Okay. Um, the former's, or Jack's body had been partially consumed by scavenging animals. Only bones remained of um, Bill Sterling. And okay. They scattered over a small area. All right. Uh, I don't know how when they don't have any body left, but autopsies show that they'd both died of hypothermia. So I don't know how they were able to determine that. I don't know. If there's like, if it's just bones, maybe it was just an assumption when the one that was partially consumed Mm -hmm. was like determined to be hypothermia. And they were like, well, if they're right next to each other across the road, but right next to each other, it's probably the same thing. So then what they speculated is that one succumbed to like the desire to sleep and then the other one refused to leave his side and they both just... 
died. Right. So two days later, uh, they were still doing search parties. Jack Hewitt's father was um, helping search, and he found his own son's backbone. Wow. Under a bush about two miles northeast of the trailer. So he made it like 22 miles. Yeah, so past the trailer. Past the trailer. But also, the bones could have been dragged there by animals. They don't know for sure. Right. All they found was his backbone so far. The next day, a deputy sheriff found a skull downhill from that bush about 300 feet away. They were able to confirm by dental records to have been Hewitt's death. They also attributed his death to hypothermia. Okay. So Ted Weeher's body was on a bed with eight sheets wrapped around it, including his head. The autopsy showed that he had died of a combination of starvation and hypothermia. However, okay, so he had nearly lost lost nearly half of his 200 pounds. The growth of his beard suggested that he had lived as long as 13 13 weeks from when he had last shaved. I was going to say, because he he would have had to live for quite a while after that to lose that much weight. His feet were badly frostbitten and almost gangrenous. Gangrenous? Gangrenous? He almost had gangrene. Gangrenous. There we go. struggling <laughs> um so but the we'll get to it i'm sorry i keep wanting to jump ahead because it's so fucking weird <laughs> I, t- I totally get so, it <laughs> on a table next to the bed were some of his personal things including a wallet with cash a nickel ring with ted engraved on it and a gold necklace he also wore but on the table was a gold watch without its crystal which we ted's family said was not his and a partially melted candle he was wearing a velour shirt and a lightweight pants but his shoes could not be found so, no fire had been set in the trailer's fireplace, despite an ample supply of matches, paperback novels to use as kindling, um, and also oil. Heavy forestry clothing, which could have kept the men warm, also remained where it had been stored in cupboards in the trailer. A dozen sea ration cans from a storage shed outside had been opened and their contents consumed, but a locker in the same shed that held an even greater assortment of dehydrated foods, enough to keep all five men fed for over a year, if it had been necessary, had not been opened. Hmm. Similarly, another shed nearby held a butane tank with a valve that, had it been opened, would have fed the trailer's heating system. So they would have been good. They would have been they good would have made if they just hold up in the trailer, the trailer and turn the butane on. They had food, they had enough rations for everybody, they had matches, they had clothing, they had a bed, warmth. So why did two of them end up dead in a road? Well, it kind of reminds just stop? me of the Dilatov Pass. Right, but did they just stop Maybe. on the way there and then the one fell asleep and the other one's like, well, I'm not leaving him here by himself. And, and they're like, Gary Matthias? Yeah. Because we still don't know where he is. Well, right. He's probably on the spaceship, I'm just telling you. <laughs> so, however... Now, Ted also suffered from mental illnesses. And when they described the situation or scenario to his family, this behavior was considered consistent with what Ted's family members described as lack of common sense arising from his mental disability. Oh. So he questioned sometimes, sometimes he would, it was something along the lines of something as simple as he would question why he had to stop at a stop sign. And, like, one night he had to be dragged out of bed while his bedroom ceiling was burning in a house fire because he was worried about missing his job the next day if he left his bed. So, like, his rationality and, like, common sense didn't always... Make sense. Turn on, I guess. Um, But it was believed that Ted had not been alone in the trailer. 
Um, they believe that Gary Mathias and possibly Jack Hewitt had been there with him. He was missing his shoes, and investigators found Mathias's own shoes in the nearby woods, suggesting Mathias, too, survived for some time beyond the last night they were seen alive. But his body was never found. They didn't find any traces of bones in all of the hunting and looking for him they did. The only thing they found were his shoes out in the woods. Weird. Even knowing that four of the five men had died in the Sierra Nevada mountains, investigators still could not completely explain what had ha- led to those deaths. They still had found no explanation for my- why the men were there. Although they learned that Matthias did have friends in the, the town of Forbes Town, which is closer than Yuba to mm-hmm. where they were, uh, the police believed it was a po- it was possible that in an attempt to visit them on the way back home, the men may have taken a wrong turn that put them on the mountain road, but. Okay. It's kind of a long shot because they wanted to get back home for that basketball game. Right. So, uh, the day before the men went missing, a forest snowcat had gone along the road in that direction to clear snow off the trailer roof so it would not collapse. Um, so, it's possible that the, the group had decided to follow the tracks it left through snow drifts, about four to six feet high. To wherever they led in the belief that the shelter was not too far away and that Meg Druga and Sterling just succumbed to hypothermia along the way and the rest made it to the trailer. Okay. Which would make sense, I guess. Right. So it's assumed that once they found the trailer, the other three broke the window near the entrance. Since it was locked, they may have believed it was private property, may have feared arrest for, for theft if they used anything else they found there. But after Ted died or the others believed he he had they perhaps chose to attempt to return to civilization like going different ways trying to get help but they there's no explanation for how these men got there why they were there how they died how they actually died and what happened to gary because they literally they found everybody else but they couldn't find him like no they extended the search out there was no trace of him anywhere so, um, the case of Gary Mathias and the Yuba City men is a tangled web of questions with little to no evidence. Police can't prove foul play was involved, and yet without foul play, nothing really makes any sense. With very little media coverage at the time of the event and almost no solid answers, they were left to speculate on what may have happened, but never had any definitive answers. He still, Gary remains a missing person until this day. And the case is still considered a cold case. The only other tidbits I have that I didn't add into this story is there's a couple of witnesses of a car up there that night. Okay. Like a couple had driven up just to kind of look at the snow and the sky and kind of thing. And they had um, seen a car and seen four men outside the car. But they didn't think anything of it. Well, right. They drove back home. Another guy along that same road... Um, had gone into, like, a ditch. Okay. And he saw lights, so he started calling for help, and he said that he heard men talking, but then the lights went out, and he just assumed that they didn't hear him. Oh. And then they they believed that that was the five, the Yuba five. Okay. But they don't, they don't know. There's, like, no answers. Weird. Isn't that weird? It is weird. It just kind of reminded me of the Dilatov Pass because, like, they did weird shit. Like, you have two that are, they were found just like bones in the snow. And then you have one that had made it past the trailer. But also, why were you outside the trailer? Then Mm -hmm. you have a trailer 
full of stocked rations that they clearly had made it to. Right. But didn't, like, I'm sorry, but if even, <laughs> I know he had, like, mental mental issues, so I get that explains it, but, like, even if you break into a trailer and are afraid of people, if you're going to die of starvation or eat that person's food, I'm going to fucking eat your food, man. I don't know, man, because if he's, like, doing stuff, like, where he wouldn't leave his house because he thinks, when it's on fire, because mm-hmm. he thinks he's not going to make it to work tomorrow. Yeah. That's- like, <laughs> I I can see where he would look at it like, I mean, I just need the trailer to get out of the snow. Mm-hmm. But if I eat their food, that's stealing. It's not just sitting yeah. in their trailer. So, I mean, I could see it. Does it make sense to me? No, but a lot of things don't make sense to me. Yeah. Especially when it's it comes just, to, like, mental illness. It's it's hard to you ration. you mental illness yeah. factor, there's so many other factors that come into play. Like, Gary could have just had a schizophrenic break and wandered Left. farther than... Yeah. The other... One of the other theories was that Gary had believed that he, like, started with his shoes or something. They couldn't explain why his shoes were out in the woods. Mm-hmm. But they believed that it's possible that he had taken Ted's shoes because they were warmer. Which is, I mean, if he's dying or dead. Right, because he was wrapped, including his Mm -hmm. head. He was fully wrapped in all the sheets. So maybe he died and that's when they decided. But at the same time, I just don't, after some guy dies of starvation, wouldn't you guys? Like, all three of them could not have all been having the same mental psychosis i would think one of them Palea do. i'm the madness of two mm-hmm. and there's just five so and they all have these issues and if if you wrap in hypothermia with it that makes yeah. you start having issues too just, and starvation that'll make you have yeah. just anybody who doesn't have mental illness have right. breaks you know so it's just so weird. i don't know here's my theory <laughs> all right crack her back and tell me so, they were taken up by the aliens. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The aliens put the car down with the guys in it when they were done. The guys were like, well, we gotta figure out how to get out of here. So they start taking off the two. One of them is like, I can't go any longer. And the other one's like, well, I'm not leaving them. And the other ones are like, see ya. So they left. So the three of them are walking. They find this trailer. Cool. Great. Awesome. But the one guy dies, and then they do what they said. They split up to try to see if they can find a different place to go or find help or whatever. Then the aliens suck him right out of his shoes because he was the one that they wanted. No? No. Okay, well. I'm just saying that I feel like if there's an intelligent life force out there that's exploring the universe, just pulling random people off a mountain road isn't really going to tell them anything. It's not random, though. If you read anything, a lot of times people end up with mental illnesses after they've been abducted because they think they're going crazy. Right, but they had mental in- illnesses prior to being abducted. I know. So they've been abducted before, and that's why they're all having their issues. There was no symptoms of them being abducted before. You don't know that? That wasn't mentioned in any article. So, did they tell you anything about his schizophrenic stuff? Like, any details on what he was talking about that caused him, like, made them believe he was schizophrenic? What his symptoms were exactly? No. Did he have any hallucinations? I don't know. Okay, so you can't say definitively that there was no history. I don't, I mean, I don't necessarily not believe in aliens, but I just don't think it was aliens. Just saying, all these weird things. 
Could be something else. You're just, you're weird. No, I'm just open. Just wide, gaping open. Don't say the word gaping. My mother listens to this podcast. <laughs> Your mother has heard worse. Yeah, she doesn't need to hear about gaping open. You're the one Me. who said it. I said I'm open. You said gaping. Gaping open. Yeah, that's what you said. You're correct. You are deflecting. Maybe you're gaping. You gaper. Your butthole's gaping. (laughs) Your butthole's gaping. Is it time? Is it about that time? It's about that time. Hey, chap. Righto. Thank you. (laughs) I'm going to tell you about Nicole Vandenherk. What's with the weird names? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So, Nicole was born on July 4th of 1980 in a small town in western germany when her mother got pregnant she was dating a man named so his name's ad like that's it ad never heard of it before but it is okay but she was dating ad vandenherk who was a dutch singer Ooh. ad thought that nicole was his biological daughter oh but a year after a year later after she was born angelica or Angelica is what they kept saying, but I'm saying Angelica. Uh, Nicole's mother told him that he wasn't the father because they were casually dating at the time. Like, it wasn't... Oh, it wasn't like a thing. Yeah. So, but he assumed that he was, and she was like, timing-wise, I don't think it is. I don't think she is. you assume it is. Yeah. Well, it's... it's, I mean, it's a weird thing to bring up. Yeah. So, and... uh, <clears throat> she told him that she had had a one-night stand with a German man who was married oh. at the time when she got pregnant. So that... Put a damper on things? Yeah. So that was that. But later, blood tests confirmed that, yes, Nicole was this German man's child, so not ads. Oh. Still, the family moved to the Netherlands altogether, and the couple got married, and Ad adopted Nicole. Okay. In 1989, when Nicole was nine and her mother... Oh, sorry. I said that in a weird, like, no comma there way. So when Nicole was nine, her mother and Ad got divorced. So the name Ad makes me want to say and Mm -hmm. every time I see it. So I might struggle with that (laughs) a little bit. You're good. But so they got divorced when she was nine and Ad actually applied for full custody of Nicole. Okay. Because Angelica had mental issues and wasn't necessarily stable enough to do full-time custody of a child as a single mother. And right. So, but, and he got full custody. So he was granted full custody, but Ad traveled a lot for work. So Nicole would stay with her grandparents a lot. In Which early were his parents? Yes. Okay. So in early nineteen ninety-five, Ad got remarried to a woman named Jolanda. Jolanda. Yes. <coughs> we're, we're dying. That's it. We're dead. Up lungs. We've all got the corona. I corona. Sorry. Doesn't help that there's also like <clears throat> just regular influenza going around. Just the crap going around. And too. Yeah. It's like you never know. Everybody's sick. Everybody's Everybody. dying. So, in April of 1995, Angelica died by suicide. Oh. Um, this is 
the mother of mm-hmm. Nicole. Okay. Right. I've just thrown out a few names. I'm like, let's just verify everybody's aware. The biological mother of Nicole committed suicide. So then on October 6th of 1995, so this was like like six months after her mother had died, at 5 p.m., Nicole left her grandparents' house on her bike to head to her part-time job at a bakery that was about six miles away. Okay. So she was 15, didn't have a car yet, and she would just bicycle over there every time. She'd it was a part-time 15 thing. 15 miles? Six miles. Oh. She was 15 years old. Oh, there we go. Sorry. <laughs> Still six miles. Holy fuck. I know. You must be You must be in good shape. Girl, your calves must be fucking mint. Fucking mint. Fucking mint. My, my favorite part of that. Okay, so this is a video Sidebar. that Christina tagged me in. My favorite part is when she's just like, my my kitchen sink, when you turn it on and you flick this titty just right, it <laughs> pops off and it power washes everything. And then she like does it and then she backs up a little bit and she's like, fucking mint. <laughs> okay. Terrible time to do this because she never made it to work. Oh, God. Why do we keep doing that? I don't know. So, Nicole never made it to work. And when her boss realized that she wasn't coming in, she they called their family to say that she didn't come into work. Like, hey, this is weird. She's very, you know, usually very prompt and she's not here and we don't know where she is. And I don't understand. So, the family called police. Her disappearance was not taken very seriously at first thinking that she may have just been upset about her mother's death because she'd been having a hard time with it um, and thought maybe she wanted to reconnect with her biological father. But her biological father lived in Germany, so I don't she really understand. ride her bike to Germany. Just ride her bike to Germany. You can't just ride your bike to Germany. But I think the thought was she rode her bike to, like, a bus station oh. and that she was going to go. Well, don't be logical about it. I know, it's weird. So... They went to her biological father and asked, like, Yo, have you seen or heard from her? And he had no idea. Okay. You know, he was completely unaware that she had gone missing. So the day after her bike, the day after that, her bike was found on the, I think it's Domel River. The river was dragged after this, but they had no trace or anything else to find in the river. So they didn't. There's no evidence other than just finding her bike. Then, two weeks after that, they found her backpack in a canal near the city um, with no other clues again. Then, on November 22nd of 1995, so this was about two months after the disappearance, uh, a person was driving on the road that runs between the never... I'm sorry. Runs between Netherlands cities, like... The two cities, Merlot and Liop, I think, Lirop. Okay. Um, They said that they saw something that looked kind of like a body in the woods near the road, so they called the police because they were like, this is weird. I see a body. Right? I see a body. I don't know if I'm not going close to it. Right. They're like, I'm not going close to it, but I think there's a body over here. So then they came and they recovered it. According to the dental records... The body was Nicole. Okay. So now they have her body. She was found six miles away from her grandmother's house. So she like legitimately was almost into into the city to get to like work. In the backyard. Yeah. You know. 
Yeah. So during her autopsy, they determined that she had a broken jaw along with other head injuries. So it looked like she had been bludgeoned. It also seemed that she had been stabbed in the chest because there was nicks out of her ribs. Um, Jesus. They believe that she died from internal bleeding. Did she she hit by a car? No. (laughs) Unfortunately, no. Um, The family wanted to bury her quickly. I don't know if it was like a... I don't know if it's a religious thing or what, because some religions are weird about it. But So they wanted to bury her quickly, so there wasn't a lot of time taken on the examination. It was kind of like a general examination, and then they did their ceremony and buried her. There were no arrests made the rest of 1995. Okay. Then in February of 1996, they arrested a friend of, of Ad Vandenherk um, for drug trafficking. So this made the police think that maybe Nicole had, had somehow found something out about the trafficking and they had killed her to quiet her down just because of the close connection. Right. But there was no evidence of this. They, like, dug into it and there was, it didn't lead anywhere. So, because obviously Ad didn't know about this. Nobody in the family knew. So, the attention then turned to Ad and Nicole's stepbrother, Andy, Ad's son. Okay. They thought that it was strange that Andy had moved in with his father just after Nicole vanished. But Ad says that that was because he was there to support his dad because he was having a really hard time with it. Um, But still, there was no real evidence of any of that, so the case went cold officially. All right. Then, nine years later, in 2004, the case got reopened, but again, there were no arrests or leads. They kind of ran a couple things through evidence, but didn't get anywhere with it, so it went cold once more. Is it that Jolanda bitch? Jolanda. Um, No. Oh. She just seems shady. That name seems shady. She sorry looks to shady, all, too. Like, Sorry to all you Jolandas out there, but... I... It's... Because when I... Okay, so I watched a little, like, clip on this case, and then they showed her face, and I was like, ooh, she did it. She didn't do it. Oh, she did it. Yeah, she didn't do it. She didn't do it. <laughs> then, <laughs> in March of 2011, Andy Vandenherk, so the brother the stepbrother, was living in England, made a Facebook post saying, I'll be arrested today at the murder of my sister. I confess. I will contact soon. I'm... I'm sorry, what? Hold on. So he turned himself into the local police office... Local police office in England. Only days later, he was extradited to the Netherlands, and he was held for five days, but... There was absolutely no evidence other than him just saying he did it to link him to it at all. Like, he wasn't in town because he moved back after, you know. So, they released him. And so, then Ad, well, Andy accused Ad of killing his sister. Ad was mortified at these accusations and he adamantly denied them. He was like, I didn't kill her. I never touched her in an inappropriate manner because what she, he said happened was that he was abusing Nicole and she became pregnant. And so he, Ad killed it, her so okay. that it wouldn't happen. Right. But again, this is what Andy is saying about his dad. Right. With it- these accusations, 
they decided to exhume her body to see if she was pregnant, right? Because, okay. you know, there's hormones and whatever. Right. Um, so in 2011, the investigation was reopened after these claims. And... Uh, da, 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 da. Sorry, I got, like, ahead of myself. Maybe it's because you threw your phone across the room. Yeah, well... <laughs> We're not even going to say why I threw my phone across the room. So, when they exhumed the body, they were able to use their newest DNA examination. You know, be able to do everything the way they can now with, like, touch and everything. Yeah. Um, There was something strange found. One sample had traces, DNA traces from three different men. (gasps) Yeah. One of the sources was from Nicole's boyfriend at the time. One, they said, was from her brother, Andy. And another was from an unidentified man that they later identified as a Yostaye. That's all they, like, named him as. So, Yostaye's hairs were also found on Nicole's coat. Then, in January, or on January 14th of 2011, yeah... Right? Yeah. Sorry. I second-guessed myself. The police arrested Yostie. He was 28 years old at the time of Nicole's murder. After he... After being arrested, he was held... Well, so they arrested him from a... Like, a psych hospital. Okay. Because he had been there since 2000 for sexually assaulting his girlfriend. And he had, like basically had a mental break and they put him into a hospital because he was like not okay okay he also had been charged with a few other things that were questionable he was a real he was Mm -hmm. fucking mint fucking mint (laughs) um so once he pulled a young woman off of her bike and assaulted her in the woods very similar to what happened to nicole yes and then our andy then came back and said that He had done nothing to his stepsister. He says the only reason he confessed is because he thought it would bring light to the case. And when they basically just released him because there was no evidence, evidence, he upped the ante by saying that his dad did it. And I'm like, so where, so basically what he did was like, how can I get them to do something so they can retest things? This would have DNA. If she was pregnant, they would have to exhume the body and see if there was DNA. It's so fucking dumb. It worked. I mean, yeah, but his DNA was on her body, too. It was later proven that it wasn't his DNA. Oh, okay. It was um, a third unknown person, which, Still being pretty- it was 1995, it was probably cross-contamination because they didn't do everything exactly how you're supposed to to keep DNA yeah. from being contaminated. That's still pretty fucking risky, dude. Oh, it is. Do I think it's smart? No. Not necessarily, but it worked. It worked. But pretty so, fucking risky. He said that he knew that there were major leaps in DNA testing since 1994 when they first did their main testing. And so he just basically wanted to like stir the pot and get it going again. He also said that he couldn't explain how his DNA was found on her body, which, like I just said, it ended up being not being his. But um, in the fall of 2016, Yostie was on trial for sexual assault and manslaughter for this. Okay? Okay. He said that he didn't assault her. He, he, or he said he didn't assault her and kill her, 
he may have had consensual sex with her, but he just doesn't remember. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. His lawyers argued that the DNA being on her just showed that they had sex, not that he killed her. That's disgusting. I don't know how defense attorneys do shit like that. Right. He also said that there was DNA from a third person. Maybe that's the person that killed them. But DNA, this is where it comes in that contamination thing. So they had a DNA expert come in and testify saying that it most likely was contaminated by somebody when they were putting it into storage. And it could have just been somebody who was working with it. But the fact that Yosta Ye's DNA was found multiple places. Right. That shows that he had more contact than this one third party thing that happened to be a... And obviously it wasn't a full DNA deal because they thought it was her brother at first. Right. So it was like barely like a touch of something. Uh, the prosecution also argued that the explanation that Yostier gave for his DNA being on Nicole didn't make sense. It's very unlikely that a 15-year-old girl would stop to have sex with an unknown man <laughs> who was two times her age at the time. Ew. So nice try, but no. Nice try, creepy grandpa, right. but no. So, in November of 2016, Yosie was found guilty of sexual assault, but was acquitted of manslaughter because, I mean, as much as it's shitty, they can't prove that he's the one who killed her. Uh, And he was sentenced to five years. The prosecution appealed this verdict, though, saying that there was plenty of evidence that he was the last one to have contact with her, and she ended up being, like, being considered a homicide case. Like, it's plenty of evidence saying that he was connected to her at that last moment. Mm -hmm. So, they went back, and it was actually reversed. So, they believed that the third individual's DNA was, um, had no evidential value, so that argument was out. They determined to just throw it out, right? Mm -hmm. And they sentenced him to 12 years in prison for the manslaughter on top of the five years for the assault. Uh, Andy Vanden Herc and his father have had a bad relationship ever since Andy said those things. Well, fucking hey, Andy, you just threw your dad under the bus and you didn't have a conversation with him first before you did that? <laughs> so, the fuck you thinking, dude? Andy said, like, the last thing that I read is that Andy hopes to have a better relationship with his dad, and as much as it's caused an issue, he's glad that there's justice for Nicole in the end. So, so (laughs) he's like, uh, yeah, it's caused issues, but also, I mean, it. he tried to throw himself to get them to do something and they didn't do anything. They just said, oh, well, I mean, the evidence we have doesn't show that you're, you're, you know, whatever. It's like, sir, so you can't just be slinging accusations like that around, though. I know, but I thought it was interesting just because who does that? That's a bold fucking move, dude. Right? Right? And, like, she was so freaking cute. Not that it, like, makes it worse, but, like, but, she was yeah. just such a cute little, like... Well, and she's just a little baby. Well, she's 15 years old and, you like... You still playing with Leo. Not a 15, dude. I stopped doing that at, like, 12, all right? <laughs> So, don't even. <laughs> okay. Tell me your, uh... That was a good story. Oh, thanks. Tell me your... The weird shit that happened on you. Oh, on, yeah. We're driving um, home from Iowa, and she gets a weird notification. 
Yes. I got an email notification and it said, Brian has sent you a message on Match. I was like, I don't fucking have Match. I've been in a relationship for a year. Right. So I'm like, I don't have Match. So I was like, whatever. Maybe it's like a weird glitch. I don't know. Just ignored it because we were driving home and I'm not going to go like digging in my phone when I'm driving. So I put it down and then I get another like 20 minutes later saying, take advantage of your newfound, basically a confirmation email saying that I signed up for six months of match for $131. And I have a, a week trial, so I'll be charged on my MasterCard. Didn't tell me any last numbers in a week. I was like, Bitch. I'm like, hold up. Nope, I didn't do any of this. Turns out, Match doesn't have numbers to call. Yeah, nice customer service, dick. Um, You have to email, and they only email back Monday through Friday. 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh-huh. Eastern Standard Time. And they still say give it three days for a response because... You better not charge my fucking car. Right. So, uh, anyway, so I get home, and I'm, like, digging and trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And I'm like, oh, so I email, like, the three different places that I could find to email on the site. I'm like, hi, I'm Amanda. This is my email. Don't charge me. I don't want my face on your site. I don't want my blah, 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 blah. You know, like, basically, like, take me off of anything there. And just yesterday, so, like, four or five days later, I got a message back saying, it's been taken care of, but due to privacy, whatever, I basically they can't tell me what happened, but I don't need to worry about getting emails, Which getting charged, bullshit. getting whatever. Someone signed up with my account information for your site. Tell me what fucking email signed it up to. What 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 email was it changed to? Right. Like Yeah. So I wanna fucking know. You fucking negated your fucking privacy policy when you started using other people's shit. So tell me. But yeah, so that was interesting. So, bet you guys can guess what I, just, I think happened. Well, I just want to know, like, who is trying to fuck with your relationship like that? Because obviously they wanted someone to find out that you're on match. But right. I was just like, just tell Christopher so he's aware, so then it's fine. I know, and but I'm still, like... at the same time, get my face off your price. Right. Site. The money and the Chris thing didn't worry me, because... He and I talk about everything, so yeah. I wasn't concerned that he was going to think that I was doing anything behind his back. But it was the, like, what are they saying to people as me? Are they using right. my face? Who's catfishing who here? Right. So I'm like, I don't want no one thinking I'm looking for a booty call. No thank you. Yeah. But, so that was interesting. That was an interesting thing that happened this week. Amanda. Hmm. My life, I you're, tell you. You've got a weird-ass life. That's an- I'm falling apart. Weird shit happens to you. It's going to be a matter of time before we're both dead. I mean, it's kind of the story for everybody, huh? All downhill from here, guys. As soon as, as, soon as you're born, you're dying. Yeah, every day you're dying a little bit more. But it's okay. Just I live your you. life like you're dying. Because you are. Live like you were dying. Because you are. That was really good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Do you want to close this one out since I did the last one? You did the last one because I couldn't stop talking and putting my foot in my mouth when I wasn't intending to. And you haven't yet this time. I'm proud of myself. So why don't you close it? Be the closer, Nielsen.
<laughs> the fin- finish him! Finish it! Alright, guys. Please. Oh. Are you sure you... Should I? Are you, sh- <laughs> are you sure that's how you want to go? Are you sure that's how you're going to close it? Please. Please. Alright, dudes. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at iswthepodcast at gmail.com. Wait, nope. That's our email. iswthepodcast at gmail.com is our email. Send us an email. But we are also on all of the social media platforms under I- iswthepodcast. And I totally fucked all of that up. So, uh, spread the word. Spread yourselves! But not too much, because coronavirus, so, you know, sanitize beforehand. Yeah. Don't spread yourself on any unclean surface, if you know what I mean. Also, note, if you see my face on a dating site and I'm trying to hook up, it's not me. Tell, tell us. Slide tell into, us. That's the Ooh, only screenshot. acceptable reason for you to screenshot and slide into our goddamn DMs, Okay. Yeah, I mean, other what you can send us other DMs. You can send us DMs, but don't be weird about it. No dick pics. I was just gonna say she's just saying she doesn't want any dick pics. I just don't like pixelated bukkake. So pixelated bukkake. <laughs> you like uh, that? You were you silly cards against humanity, motherfucker. <laughs> Bees. Bees. <laughs> <laughs>